Moving forward by faith in the Christian life, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Have you noticed in your study of the Bible that God uses and blesses imperfect people? And get this, He doesn't remember and spotlight their failures, but rather their faith. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll take you back to Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith. And today we're going to show you the great faith that was found in the midst of great failure. Isaac would make some mistakes. His son and wife deceived him. But there's faith in the midst of this failure that God would recognize. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You see, Isaac gives us, and he's not even highlighted for that right now, but he shows us a depth of character of trusting his dad who trusts God with his life. This is an example of him following his dad in the right way. <laughs> his dad trusted God here. He's going to trust his dad who trusts God. We'll find in a moment, he, Isaac following his dad in a wrong way. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 26 as we see the overarching entirety. I would encourage you to read through chapter 26 and 27 and 28 this afternoon. Even read ahead. As you know, next week we'll be looking at Jacob and you can just kind of study Jacob's life and be ready for the study next week as we learn about the faith of Jacob. But here Isaac is walking by faith because walking by faith brings confidence, assurance, and hope. Walking by sight brings uneasiness, confusion, and hopelessness. And Isaac, this child of faith, lives by faith. He's the kind of man that sits out in the fields and meditates. He's the kind of man that digs wells, opens them, the living water. And it was about 10 years after this episode of him going up with his dad to Mount Moriah. And by the way, we learned he came back down by faith because God did provide for himself a sacrifice. And that whole picture of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice becomes a picture and a type of the Messiah, Father sending the Son and providing a way out in his own sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. That was our study way back five months ago, four months ago, when we left off in Hebrews. And now, as Isaac comes in chapter 26, uh, he's told not to go down in verse 2. Don't go to Egypt. Dwell in the land that I'll tell you. Verse 6, he finally settles in Gerar. But notice, before he settles in Gerar, notice the instruction in verse 3. He's told, sojourn in this land, and I'll be with you. And bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. We read the Bible so often kind of go through these verses uh, like they're so familiar to us that we miss the significance. I do not want you to miss the significance at the end of verse 4 exactly how big this promise is. This is a huge promise. Notice at the end it's in your seed 
all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now that seed is pointing forward to the coming of Messiah. And this promise encompasses all of humanity until the end of the age. That's how big this promise is. All of humanity. Through you, Isaac. Just like I told your dad. You're a, you're a fulfillment of the promise I gave to your dad. And now to you, I'm telling you the same thing. In you, I'm going to bless all of humanity. It's through you the Messiah is going to come. It's through you that you're going to get the promised land. It's through you that, that you're going to settle down. It's through, so this promise is before the first coming of Jesus Christ, before the virgin birth, before his 30 years, 33 years of life on earth, through his three years of ministry. It's before all of his healings, all of his teachings. It's before the cross. It's before the grave. It's before the resurrection. It's before the ascension. It's before all the time that you're living in. Do you know, as you're listening to these promises to the patriarchs, that you are benefiting from God fulfilling his promise to Isaac right now? You are part of that. You, you, you are in the Bible more than one occasion. You are part of the fulfillment of that promise because what he said to Isaac, Messiah did come and you're saved and you're still sharing the gospel. And so not only does it encompass the ascension of Jesus, all this time in between, but this promise goes beyond the rapture of the church. It goes beyond the second coming. It goes beyond the seven-year tribulation period. It goes beyond the millennial period until the end of the age. And the eternal state for all of those that are saved. That's this promise to Isaac in Gerar in the middle of wastelands, not anywhere near the promised lands as the way we know them today. Proximity there, he's near. And actually he'll be in Beersheba, a part of the promised land by the time we end today. But as you see this promise, it's coming to stir up faith even though he won't see it all. And that's the life that you and I have. God is stirring up faith through his promises, even though you won't see it all. You respond by faith moving forward. And this is a powerful promise. God himself passing on the promises to the patriarchs. And then as he's dwelling in Gerar, <laughs> he, makes, he follows his dad in a bad way. Notice in verse 7. Then the men of that place asked him about his wife, and he said, she's my sister. Boo! Bad, bad call, Isaac. Becoming a liar. He was afraid. She says my wife because lest the men of this place should kill me for Rebecca because she's beautiful to behold. And then God gets him out of this mess through an unbelieving king, Abimelech, which is the rest of chapter 26. And God appears to him. Notice uh, in verse 12 and 26, Isaac sowed in that land and reaped the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. He began to prosper continued prospering until he became very prosperous. He had many possessions of flocks, of herds, a great number of servants, and now the Philistines start to envy him. And he begins to uh, find himself in a place of great difficulty. And they, you notice now in his brother, or excuse me, when as, as you go through, God is continuing in verse 21, they dug, an, his herdsmen dug another well and they quarreled over that one. And he's just keep moving from there, moving from there, moving from there. Notice verse 24. Now he comes down to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I'll bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And there he built an altar. No longer digging wells. Now he built an altar, a place to worship, a 
place to worship. Now, over time, God answers the prayers of Rebecca and Isaac, and she conceives twins. Their names are Jacob and Esau. Remember, the Bible says that they were battling inside in her womb, uh, in, in her body. And unfortunately, one of the failures that Rebecca and Isaac end up making with their kids is one that is often made. They show favoritism and partiality. And Rebecca, of course, favors Jacob. Jacob is more closing, closer to his mom. And Esau, of course, because of his ruddiness and his, you know, Esau, he was a hairy man. That's why they named him Esau. And he was more of an outdoorsman. And his dad appreciated that about him. And it's at the end of his life that Isaac now blesses his sons. And he is ill and he is having his eyes, it says in chapter 27, verse 1, his eyes were so dim that he could not see. And he calls Esau's older son and said to him, my son, here I am. Behold, now I'm, I am old. I don't know the day of my death. Therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. And Rebekah was listening. And Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, verse 5. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother. Bring me game and make savory food. Now, therefore, verse 8, uh, obey my voice and do what I command you to do. Go to the flock, bring me two choice kids, verse 9. I'll make savory food for them for your father, such as he loves. And then he'll take it to your father that you, he may eat it and he may bless you before his death. Verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, <laughs> but I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps dad will feel me and shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I'll bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. And his mom said, oh, no, let the curse be on me, my son. Ah, only obey my voice and go and get them for me. And he went and got them, and his mother made savory food. Rebecca, verse 15, took the choice clothes of her elder son, put them on her, put the skins of the kids and the goats on his hands. Verse 17, gave the savory food. Uh, and then verse 18, he went into his father and said, Dad. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And here it begins, verse 19. Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Was that the truth, yes or no? You guys online, was that the truth, yes or no? Very good. No, he's lying. This chapter is filled with deceit and lies and failure and difficulty and problems and pain of humanity. And yet this is the chapter and this is the episode that's highlighted in chapter 11, verse 20 in Hebrews of great faith. You see, great faith can be found in the midst of great failure. And what God is highlighting here is not the deceptions of Rebecca, not the deceptions of Jacob, not, not all of their... What God is honoring is Isaac believes that what God says, that there will be a future. He's caught up in it. He's got his... You know, notice how it goes down. You know, Jacob comes in. I've done this. Uh, verse 19, eat of my game, that my soul may bless me. Bless me. And then Isaac says to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord brought it to me. Man, let me tell you, it is possible to be greatly deceptive and to try to be overly spiritual about it. It's like a, a real deep part of deception where you even involve God in your deceptions. And you just don't want to be that far from God. 
You just don't want to be that place where you blame things on God, your own sinful decisions. That's where he's at. Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> And he did not recognize him because hands were hairy like his brother Esau's. And so he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it near me and I'll eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, come now and kiss me, my son. Verse 27, he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his clothing and he blessed him. And I think this is funny and Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. So here's a man depending upon his human senses and in a, in a way trusting in the faithfulness of his wife who's not being faithful to, to him right now and not being faithful to his sons. But he wants to bless. So he says, therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, the plenty of grain and wine, let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. And it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac that Esau's brother came in from his hunting. Verse 31. He also made him savory food and brought it to his father and said, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? And that, if this was a movie, the music changes, the lights go down. It's like, who are you? What happened? I'm your son, your firstborn, I Esau. And Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed he, indeed he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father, but he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Remember his name means heel catcher or supplanter or usurper. It's, that was his whole life, just always working a deal. For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I've made him your master. And all his brethren I've given to him as servants. With grain and wine, I've sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Notice verse 39. Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob. This is what favoritism does, parents. This is what favoritism and showing partiality to your kids do. It creates hatred in the kids for one another. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning, my father are at hand when I will kill my brother Jacob. So a few things before we head out because we want to highlight that Isaac still even though he's made a mistake, even though his son has deceived him, even though his wife has deceived him, even though the chapter is filled with failure, there's faith in the midst of failure. And what he's being honored for is his willingness to believe God and bless his kids. 
It was by faith that he did this. He was trusting God with the future of his kids. He understood the promise. If God was to fulfill his promise to the end of the age, then that included his kids, his grandkids, his great-grandkids, on through the generations. And so as he ends, he says, I want to bless. I want to lay hands on my kids and I want to bless them and encourage them. And this is a perfect example of this chapter of two people who are convinced in the purposes of God, but they take things into their own hands and they muddy up the waters. They're impatient and they want to help God out a little bit. Just like Abraham and Sarah did with Hagar. Just like Moses did by taking the Egyptian and killing him and spending 40 years in the wandering desert. In the backside of the desert, I should say. And David, he, he experiences in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and the loss of his friends. And yet, even the deception was used and overwhelmed by God. Listen, don't take chapter 26 and think, well, you know, if they use sinful means to accomplish the will of God, then maybe I can use sinful means. Not so. God will overrule your sinful decisions to accomplish his will, but you will suffer the consequences of your sin. Don't ever think that sowing and reaping doesn't apply to you. It does. It applies to you and me. That if I choose to sow to the Spirit, then I will reap everlasting life. There will be blessing in my life. There will be peace. There will be strength. There will be faith. However, if I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap corruption. There will be consequences. And God overrules them. Paul put it this way in Romans 6. Remember what he said? He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. God never blesses sin. Or as I was sharing with someone recently, you know, in those difficult times when you've been sinned against, when, when you've been hurt, when great pain has been brought into your life because of the sin of someone else. You know, this happens a lot in marriages and our closest relationships. The answer is not to return sin with sin. And I explained it to one brother this way just this week on the phone. I said, look, you need to tell them that just because your spouse sinned against you doesn't give you permission to sin against your spouse. And just because so-and-so sinned against you doesn't give you permission to sin against so-and-so. The right response, as we learned from Pastor Ian not too long ago, the right response is love, forgiveness. Love covers a multitude of sins. That agape love, it's a supernatural work of God in and through us. Bitterness is never the right choice. It puts you in a prison. And so here they are. You go, well, you know what? God worked it all out with Jacob and Esau. No, there was problems in their life forever on, onward. And the thing about Esau is that he didn't really want the birthright. He wasn't too concerned about the birthright. He mentions it. You know, as you remember it earlier, he sold his birthright for a, he was for a bowl of stew. You know, he, he's not so concerned about that. He just wants the blessing. He wants the blessing but not the birthright. You know what? Because the birthright brought responsibility. The blessing was just kind of a personal thing. See, the birthright was the oldest would be the spiritual leader and being responsible for the family going forward. But Esau was only interested in his belly. He didn't want the birthright. He just wanted the blessing. And I, I just find today, and I think it's being revealed more and more and more. Listen, church, hear me out, please. I'm just finding so many Christians and so-called believers, they want the blessing. They don't want the birthright. And you say, Ed, what do you mean? Well, I'm finding that there are so many that want religion and what that might bring them, but no responsibility. They don't want to have a responsibility for the culture that they live in. They don't want to have a responsibility for their neighbor. You know, that, that age-old question, am I my brother's keeper? 
I find that being asked many times. Now, it's not my responsibility. It's not my problem. I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Those are not words of the believer. Those are not words that flow from the Spirit of God in our lives. No, Jesus said this, no greater love has anyone than this, than what? To lay down your life. No greater love. To lay down your life. And I don't want to train you and disciple you and teach you and to be among us as believers to say, oh, it's okay, just take the blessings, no responsibility. No, the Bible actually teaches the opposite. To whom much is given, much is required. There is much responsibility, and it continues to grow as we mature. It's not enough just to have church and to have religion, as long as it doesn't interfere with your life and your plans and your goals. Treating your relationship with God like it's just some side hobby. Something you can fit in here and there. Listen to me. Hear me out, please. The world is desperate for a tangible touch of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And the view of the church or the view of the love of God is the church. It's you and me, salt and light. But here we are. Give me the blessings. Give me the blessings. What do you have for me, God? No, no, I don't want to give you the blessings. I want to give you the birthright. You are my son and my daughter adopted into the family of God. And with that comes responsibility for our brother and our sister, for our neighbor, for our world and our culture. As anyone would tell you, it's much easier to stand up, to sit up in the stands and call the game down below from the stands. Oh, I wouldn't have thrown that pitch. Oh, I wouldn't have swung at that. Oh, I wouldn't have called that play. No, God doesn't want us up in the stands calling out all the mistakes. He wants us in the game ministering to the hurts and the pains of our culture. Loving people in Jesus' name. Walking by faith and not by sight. It's not the blessing as much as the birthright. It's the birthright, the responsibility. And here's Esau. He's just got a bitter cry because he didn't get the blessing. Oh, bless me, Dad. Bless me, Dad. Bless me, Dad. No, no, no. I want my birthright. I want it all. See, blessings come with the birthright. God is going to enable you to be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that he wants you to be at every stage in life. He's going to strengthen you. I know you're, you're living in this culture where you're breathing it in, breathing it out, but God is bigger than the culture. God has survived every culture that's come. <laughs> every country, every nation, every government, God has survived it all, and the gospel is still alive today. And you see in chapter 27, Isaac, when he saw that the blessing he gave was permanent, he began to show true faith. You know, if Jonah was known as the reluctant prophet, Isaac would be known as the reluctant patriarch. Only when he realized that the blessing was going to be on God's man regardless did he finally comply, finally said yes to God's way. It's almost like God had to box him in, had to bring him to a place where his choice was just to believe. And after he faced death, he now blesses Jacob with the blessing that neither he nor his father had ever received. This is now greater and neither Jacob or his sons would possess. Isaac blessed Jacob in faith, knowing that God will fulfill his promises in his own way, in his own time, and God will do the same in you. By faith, Isaac blessed. Oh, it's not pretty, it's not perfect, but it's faithful. And I pray that not only would we be faithful men and women, but that God would make us full of faith. Amen? 
This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. Catch a replay at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Penned on a train from Illinois to Texas, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer has proven to be helpful to anyone longing for a deeper experience with God. This book is a modest attempt, Tozer wrote, to aid God's children so to find Him. If you're hungry, the pursuit of God will lead you to the only one who can satisfy the soul. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Ordering resources is easier than ever now through our e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and are not interested in the pick of the month, you could just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. We've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.